full access to RFR only on Patreon. Become a member of the RFR Patreon community to get more Rebel Force Radio. Bonus shows and content are available right now only at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Well, that must be why it feels like a holiday weekend. We got this Super Bowl coming up. There, there was just this feeling I had as the weekend was approaching. It just felt like a holiday. And I couldn't put my finger on it. But as we were getting ready for this week's show and running down the, uh, the stack of news, obviously, the Super Bowl, talk of a Star Wars preview of some sort or previews. Is uh, is still on top of everyone's mind and showing up in, on, on news stories, and so. But uh, we'll we'll get into all of that as to what the likelihood of this happening. I said a couple weeks ago, wow, the smart money is that this is going to happen during the Super Bowl, and then last week we had a story that uh, was pointing to not one, not two, but three mini previews. Why is everything mini? Now, all of a sudden, like, like they got this animated series on uh, Star Wars and it's some really cool stuff, but it's like, you know, three and a half seconds long. Um, and now, of course, with uh, the you're not going to get a trailer for uh, episode nine. You're going to get three little mini previews. Or will you? I don't know. We'll talk about it here. Rebel Force Radio, this week's show, February 1st, 2019. Yes, in the United States, it is like a holiday. And I think someone that can back me up on that claim is uh, a man who's uh, also surviving the Arctic freeze here in the Midwest. My good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Yes, polar vortex. But we're plowing ahead and we're talking about Star Wars. It doesn't matter what the weather is outside. We're keeping it nice and hot here with Star Wars conversation. And uh, nothing is mini, nothing is bite-sized when it comes to us here at RFR. You could always expect very long-winded Star Wars conversations, opinions, and a lot of uh, chuckles along the way. So... uh, so that's what we're hearing, though, is that there could be maybe some footage shown during the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, last week we were talking about a story that uh, was pointing to three sort of little clips that would tease you as a fan and lead you into the big trailer in April, Chicago celebration. Um, but now I'm looking at headlines like this one here from... Um, what is this? This is from uh, Deadline. Is it? Is it? Yeah, Deadline.com uh, saying that Star Wars Episode Nine on the sidelines for the big game. Mm-hmm. But don't worry, you Fast and Furious fans, because, because the Hobbs and Shaw 
preview. What the hell is a Hobbs and Shaw? It's like a like a folk group from the seventies. Hobbs and Shaw. I can see them with their with their guitars, and one's got a banjo or something. No. That's gonna that's gonna touch down. Well, this was is a, a great Hobbs and Shaw was a. That was a newspaper cartoon that had like a a wacky tiger in it. A kid. Well, apparently it's a movie with uh, Jason Statham and Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Oh, love those guys. Um, love those yeah, guys. It's a spinoff of Fast and Furious, and this, so they're they're going to get that. But am I am I wrong that 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 here in the state Super Bowl Sunday is is a bit like a holiday? In a in a weird way. Well, of course, everyone throws parties and mm-hmm. uh, kids stay up late on Sunday. It's a school night, but that doesn't matter because it's the only thing keeping us warm is hanging around a bunch of booze and guacamole dip and watching <laughs> football. And uh, they, you're right; it's it's an American tradition and everything. But yeah. you know what else is traditional? Is a lot of people. A lot of people are making. A bunch of noise about the fact that there's not a Star Wars trailer confirmed for Super Bowl Sunday. Yep. But I looked at the trailers or movie teases or what have you that were released by major motion picture studios to promote their films during Super Bowls from the past few years. Mm -hmm. And I can't find a film that has been released later than the summer movie season it seems like the super bowl is when they throw their money down to promote summer movie releases that's why we had a tease for solo during super bowl last year so there is no summer release this year there's not going to be a tease during the super bowl for any movies coming out post Summer movie season. And episode nine, of course, is coming out in December. So we'll probably start seeing the big promotional push, the big marketing push for episode nine kick off its Star Wars celebration Chicago. It makes all the sense in the world. The only time we've seen a film get any sort of preview treatment, any sort of marketing push prior to the summertime, if it's a December release, or prior to the springtime, I should say, was that first one, The Force yeah. Awakens, right. where it was they were just so anxious to it unleash. It was 13 months. It was yeah. about 13 months in advance. Right. They were just so anxious to unleash material from the film on us that most of the stuff that they put in that first trailer didn't make it into the final cut of the film. That yeah. frustrates me as a Star Wars fan. Same thing happened with Rogue One. So I think they're looking for the film to get locked and loaded in the can and really settled on before they start putting out trailers or anything that might include material that won't make it into the final film. Because, well, I, you know, twice bitten, three times shy at this point. It, right. Well, and I can back you up on that. Going back to this story... On deadline here. These are this is what is slated. Uh, you know what? Wait, we can't talk about all these movies without bringing on. Yeah, I know. I was guys. just thinking at myself. We, I we're talking forgot. movies here, and we've got um, our <laughs> I my brother in the force, your brother in the flesh, uh, Billy Mack hey. in the studio. Hey. We can't talk about all this stuff. Yeah, uh, Bill, I don't know if you heard the conversation, but we were talking about 
uh, the Super Bowl, and and Jim was thrown out saying, "Hey, oh, yeah. you know what? All this stuff is premature because there's no precedent for a trailer to drop for a film that's you know any more than six seven months away from Super Bowl Sunday." And I was about to um, to uh, throw some facts down on that, which uh, this year we've got, uh, as I mentioned, this is the Hobbs and Shaw trailer. People are excited. That's going to be a summer release. It's late summer, but it's August 2nd. Yeah. Um, also, uh, it looks like uh, Captain Marvel is going to show up. Uh, that's March 8th, Avengers Endgame. That's an April f- uh, release. Dumbo, which is at the end of uh, March. Aladdin, that's in May. Toy Story 4, that's a June 21st release. Um, well, and a, so, lot of, uh, a lot of those movies have already had teasers, right? Well, that's true. Is that what you're that's saying? That's right. I mean, I've well, seen the Dumbo one. Uh, Captain Marvel's been out there. They've had several trailers by now. Yeah. Um, well, this is this is this is uh, confirmed. Um, well, I shouldn't say confirmed. This is uh, speculation about the movie trailers that we will see ah. during the big game. Um, but you're right. These are all f- also films that we've seen some sort of, um, you know, teaser or, or, or trailer or clip or something from. Uh, even Toy Story 4 had a little teaser. You didn't get to see anything, you know, pertaining to the actual film, from what I can tell. They, they got a Corvette Summer 2 on there anywhere? You see uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me look here. I heard something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Mark Hamill's really dipping into the nostalgia bag here. Let's see. No, no, I'm afraid not. We do have a Shazam trailer. The real Captain Marvel. Yeah, but I've seen They've had trailers for that already. Right. Exactly. 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 But these are all summer movies, you're saying. Summer movies. Spring, spring, summer movies. Yeah. So, Jim, what you were saying is, uh, you know, don't get so ahead of yourself. Although... I will say that you also, I think, at one time had a belief that it was more likely we were going to get a Star Wars trailer during the Super Bowl than it was those rumors about uh, some sort of Christmas drop. Right, right. And I I felt that way because I just believe that Star Wars as a brand needs some positive injection into Mm. the bloodstream right now. And... uh, Releasing some sort of tantalizing footage for Episode Nine will maybe curb a lot of the discussion about Episode Eight that's been mm-hmm. going on incessantly for the last thirteen months. So, uh, I, I would like to start talking about Star Wars of the future as opposed I, to the Star Wars of the past, I, which I is agree. just been dominating. Well, we've got uh, a segment coming up on the show. Uh, that it is going to allow us to to speculate, nerd out, talk about some of the big uh, rumors that have um, shown up online in recent weeks about Episode Nine, and so you know we're going to give the of course we'll give the spoiler alert as we get closer to that moment. But so this the, this week's show is a lot about looking forward. Um, but if you're really, really thinking that you're going to see some sort of episode nine preview this weekend, I, I would say that all signs point to to no. Now, the only thing that could happen because Lucasfilm and Disney knows there's all of this expectation. Could we get a title release? Well, judging by the release schedules of previous films. Uh, yeah, I think that's much more likely. Mm-hmm. 
That would be so kind me- of earth-shattering, and especially if they can keep it quiet until it actually happens. Yeah. That would be great. Remember how amazing it was when Steve Sansweet announced the title for Episode 3 at San Diego Comic-Con, and it was yeah. Revenge of the Sith? He had a baseball jersey on. He opened up the jersey, and he had the logo there on his shirt. And it was just like this seismic charge that was felt throughout all of Star Wars fandom. And the T-shirts went on sale immediately. I love that kind of surprise. They could do that at Celebration. but mm-hmm. And why wouldn't they at this point? Big deal if we don't know the title of Star Wars Episode Nine until April. Give it to us all at Star Wars Celebration Chicago. Give us the trailer. Give us Everything. the title. Everything. Give us the T-shirt. The whole thing. The what? T-shirt. Yes. Have they ever? Have they ever saved the title for the trailer? It seems like every time that that, that has been revealed beforehand, right? Yeah. It would be cool to get it with the trailer, though. Just kind of. Yeah, I it would agree. add to the uh, to the excitement of it. I think, if yes, they, as opposed to a, a tweet or something. You know? Yes, yeah, right. Of course, that's what's going to happen. It'll, yeah, make it it'll real be special. Some sort of right. It'll, we'll see the title treatment. The uh, title was revealed for episode eight via Instagram. Yeah, give us it? something. Yeah, yeah. Remember, they it was it was. I think it was Ryan Johnson's Instagram, and he showed. A picture of the opening crawl just at the beginning there where it said, mm. The Last Jedi. And there it was. And uh. that was it. Instagram. That's, that's slumming, man. Yeah. <laughs> put it on a big stage. How was episode two done? I seem to remember Ewan McGregor going like, that's, Oh, yeah. That, that's, that's the that's title. Famous. That's the title, really. You know, yeah. Was, Ewan McGregor <laughs> was, was, that the reveal? was at a. <laughs> Well, that was the, what it was. Was Ewan McGregor was at, at some sort of red carpet yeah. for some other movie, right? And it happened to be on the same day that I think I was like watching Entertainment Tonight or E Online or something, and uh, that happened to be the same day that they announced that Attack of the Clones was the name of Episode Two. He hadn't heard this, and they deliver mm. the news to him, and he starts laughing. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> He goes, that's not, yeah. I think he was like, that's not the, no, that's not, that's not, <laughs> it's like, it's bloody awful. It's yeah. bloody awful. And then he had to, he had to tap dance around it. What a great way to. Afterwards. I'm, I'm trying to dig up that audio right we now. We have the audio. We have the it audio. It must be oh, here is, somewhere. Is that the name of it? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like that. That's how my memory is playing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he said, yeah, was, it's bloody awful. Yeah, <laughs> he just laughs. That's bloody awful. And, and you know, look, it, it it at the time. I mean, it 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 does. Actually, we've talked about it on this show many times. That when the first titles are when when you first hear the new titles of the films, they always take a while to to get used to because you're the the the, the other ones roll off the tongue so so well so quickly. Even mm. Phantom Menace. I mean, that that seemed like. A, a, a mouthful like the Phantom Menace, like mm-hmm. this is so not Star Warsy. Now it really feels Star Warsy. I mean, it's it's become you know part of the sure. whole mythos and everything. Um, Attack of the Clones, you know, sounded cheesy, but when you think about it, Bill, when you think about the history of Star Wars and and what George Lucas was um, inspired by these serials 
uh, of the 40s and 50s. Uh, it makes total sense. Attack of the Clones. It sounds very serial-like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. It's got that pulpy vibe. I just think yeah. it would be really cool to be caught up in the excitement of the trailer to have the, the title revealed that way so we can all just kind of have a natural reaction. I mean, there's something about uh, revealing it online and stuff now where it just the reactions are so immediate you don't even have any time to process it I think with the trailer you still kind of get that opportunity to have your own reaction at least for a couple minutes there you know oh for sure I'd like to see him do it that way and I'm thinking of uh, some other recent ones Solo I, I think was Ron Howard basically with a title card online right didn't he just say oh, yeah, here's yeah, the title Howard of the movie that. that's right that's right. I actually, I think I've got it right here. Here, this is it. This is, um, uh, this goes back to 19, uh, what do we got a year on this? And this would have been 19, uh, two, oh, shoot. 2002? 2002. Or, yeah, 2002. Yeah, 2002. So you got Ewan McGregor. Here he is. This is from uh, CNN. Phantom Menace? I don't know. All right. <laughs> Oh, wait, wait, wait. Well, that was awfully quick. Is that all there is to well, it? What was that? No, uh, he's, that was fancy. Menace, I don't know. I just heard that. What is I just that? Oh, here, here we go. So this is Ewan McGregor. He's walking the red carpet with Nicole Kidman. I don't know what movie this is. Moulin Rouge, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. Moulin Rouge. That's right. Soon to be a lavish Broadway musical. Um, Moulin Rouge. So here we go. Um, Ewan McGregor and uh, CNN corners him and asks him about the episode two title. Attack of the Clones? That's the title. I just heard that. What I that? just heard the new Star Wars film's called Attack of the Clones. No. Okay. That is. Are they laughing? Nicole Kidman's laughing. Phantom Menace? I don't know. Alright. <laughs> is that better than Phantom Menace? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well it's not quite how I remembered it. Yeah, but. yeah, but still, I mean, you know, and then you got Nicole Kidman there. She's like, no, that's it's not it, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I just said it was. Uh, right. I just it's heard terrible. that. I, just I mean, he, <laughs> he filmed the movie. <laughs> he, knew, he, knew, he knew all about clones and clone armies clones? and Kaminoans. The what? And he... He's acting like he's like like plausible deniability, like he had nothing to do with this yeah. thing. Maybe he's just trying to impress Nicole Kidman. Great clones. What was the first I've heard of it? Oh no, no, I'm not into clones. I make movies that are much more sophisticated. It's it's not my bag. Baby. Yeah, it's not my bag, baby. It's a clone, man. <laughs> I make movies where we cover songs like Lady Marmalade. <laughs> One autographed copy of <laughs> your book. <laughs> Attack of the Clothes by Ewan McGregor. And it is my bag, baby. <laughs> It's not mine, really. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, man. Uh, according to the Radio Times, it says, On hearing Attack of the Clones, the Obi-Wan Kenobi actor bursts into laughter and declares to Nicole Kidman, I've just found out the new Star Wars film's called Attack of the Clones. Is that better than Phantom Menace? I don't know. And then it says, Meow. <laughs> Oh, Radio behave. Meow. <laughs> 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 behave. Oh, wow. Oh, so that was a nice blast from the past. I well, seem to remember him saying 
No, that's not it. That's bloody awful. Why do I? Re- I mean, I may get my memory makes it much worse. I think you might be remembering Paul Bateman's reaction. Uh, actually, <laughs> me, that's bloody awful. <laughs> okay, well, uh, so it's sounding like no trailer, uh, possibly a title reveal. Who knows? Or. As we've talked about here, maybe they'll just save it all for Star Wars Celebration. And, save it. You know, we'll all leave the panel with the little uh, 11 by 17 yeah. poster. Yeah, like we're getting into that panel. Oh, no, Sleep no, Sleep no. out overnight in downtown Chicago? No way. No, I'm not doing that. When, when I say the panel, I mean, you know, our suite. Oh, when we're, we're looking downtown on- Chicago, watching it on StarWars.com. <laughs> well, hopefully. I hope yeah. that uh, they, they have a sponsor who can cough up the bucks to make that happen it seems yeah. like um they need that they they need the sponsorship that's money, right so and so do we quite a, no I'm just <laughs> we'll be covering it and and the fact is i i think that they have had uh you know webcasting of uh star wars celebration for gosh i don't know what three or four celebrations now so uh at least the ones in the states i th- that is one thing that um they didn't have it for Celebration Europe 2. They didn't have it for Celebration Japan, but that predates when they really started. They started with one of the big uh, telecoms, like it was Singular Wireless was, I think, one of the first sponsors, and then it was Sprint, and I think AT&T's been Verizon. in there. Verizon, yeah, there you They've go. They've all coughed up the bucks. So, uh, well, it's the bandwidth, you know. I mean, uh, the bandwidth expenses is 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 probably crazy, but uh, that was, you know, that was one of the most fun parts of the last celebration was just hanging out in the luxurious suite, eating ridiculously overpriced food with uh, Billy Mac and uh, you and me, and just taking our, uh, you know, yeah, that was, whole sweet that was, time that was, with everything. Yeah, um, you know, I look if you're young and you've got the. Uh, the time, the patience, and the stamina. Yeah, right. the stamina to wait in line for 18 hours to see a panel. You know, more power to you. I'm going to sleep in. Uh, I, I will say, though, you know, the optics of the people sleeping around the convention center uh, was not good. Was not good. And, you know, stepping over your fellow fan, you know, as you're on the way and you and it's like, what are you waiting in line for? Oh, this panel. It's like, you know, a day and a half away was ridiculous. I, Jim, do you think there will be that kind of thing going on at McCormick Place or do you think there'll be um, a little bit more, I don't know, dignity this time around for the Star Wars fans? You know, I understand why they want to do it with the wristbands and everything, because if you do a lottery system and predetermine who's going to get into what panels, then you deal with the secondary market and people scalping those tickets, you know, or whatever they determine to give you access into these events. Maybe if they scan your badge or something like that, it'd be easier to cut down on that kind of thing. So you don't have people just going to StubHub and selling panel tickets. Well, you know what? In the day and age now of digital ticketing, and the you know where your 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 cell phone is your ticket to theater, to sporting events, all kinds of things, I, I would think that they would have ways to sort of cut down on that sort of thing. You know, you make them non-transferable, and. Use you know, the thumbprint technology. 
sure, or, or something or like s- that, and that would destroy the secondary market. Exactly. I think there are ways to do it, and and what I was hoping for is that when you would buy your ticket, that you could also buy other tickets or or sort of kind of curate your own experience and get the tickets for the things that you wanted to see. Now that also assumes that they're choosing venues that have. Uh, you know, a a a reasonable uh, capacity for the demand. Obviously, not everybody can go, um, but a reasonable capacity is what we ask. And uh, you can sort of, like I say, curate your own experience. And so there's no waiting in line. Either you have a ticket for this panel or you don't based on when you bought your tickets for the event. Uh, I think there are ways, and we've talked about it on the show many times, there are ways to do this differently um, but there seems to be an unwillingness to, and I, I think it's because they like the spectacle. They like the local media coming down and, and looking at all the, you know, the people uh, sleeping out in their cots and their tents and their chairs because um, it, it creates this frenzy or the or the, the sense that there's this frenzy. But I, I think that it's like, good Lord, you know, there's a there's something to say for dignity. And, <laughs> yeah. and then when you have people like real big shots star wars big shots going on stage saying oh look at you you guys slept out here all night you're so amazing you're all, you're the greatest fans of all the fans yeah right thank you thank you thank you and thank you for those who slept out last night you know, it, it it contributes to that frenzy. It's almost like they're cultivating that kind of. Oh thing. my and God, we got we got to stay overnight because maybe J.J. Abrams will give us a piece of pizza. <laughs> well, hey, how cool is that? <laughs> you know, you say, hey, J.J., wait, you got no pepperoni in there? What are you giving me? This is this plain cheese. Yeah, do, do, do you got any of the Parmesan and the little hot the red pepper flakes? Where are those, J.J.? Ryan Johnson shows up giving out uh, pizzas. We should have known then. Brian, Brian, you got any of that crazy bread over there with you? You got just a pizza? That's all you got? Where's the beer? Who's got the Re- kegs of beer? Who's bringing res- that? Respect the fans. That what That's what we're asking for. And but we hey, want you know beer. What? We want respect and beer while we're waiting in line. God. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I, yeah. I do have to throw out this little bit of uh, information. I learned this uh, from uh, Reed, somebody at Reed who's uh-huh. in the know. And uh, a lot of people are getting excited because the big panels are going to be held in the Wintrust Business Arena, which is adjacent to McCormick Place. Mm. And uh, it's it's got a capacity of 10,000 people. But, you know, like Bob Dylan wow. plays there. They have some big time acts that show up there. It's a new place. Wow. Too. Yeah, I've never heard. Have you been in that place? No, I haven't been there. But... Um, it's it's huge, and uh, it's right there in the South Loop, and uh, that's where they're going to be having the main panels. That's the main stage. I've been told they are using half the capacity of the arena, so there'll be um, mm. some sort of curtain or something up where they'll be using utilizing half of the arena. Well, why so would why would why would they do that? Why would they cut their capacity in half? Is it because they're concerned about? How it would, how it looks. They want to make sure it looks full. Mm-hmm. So you cut it in half. That's probably why that yeah, goes maybe. on a lot. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, and probably move a stage. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing like a, the, a, you know, a stage uh, in the center of the main floor, 
And uh, yeah, curtain cutting off half of the half right. of the mm-hmm. arena behind it, so, so people th- yeah, that's so the there's not seating behind. Yeah, and you know that that's commonplace. Um, I, I think also expense ha- you know comes into play quite a bit. I don't know, man. I got to tell you, if I'm getting shut out of an event, yeah, after and I know. Two hundred and fifty yeah. something dollars for the five day. Amen. And plus, you know, the travel and everything. I'm getting shut out of an event, and I know that they've purposely cut off half the capacity. I'm not going to be happy. Well, I'm not going to yeah, be happy. This is the reality of the situation, though. Yeah. Because uh, the guy who told me this, um, I have no reason to believe that he'd be BS. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you're right. They would rather. Um, here's here's the thing. They would rather it look absolutely jam-packed for the cameras and have and squeeze 5,000 people in there uh, than, than um, make another maybe, you know, 2,000, 3,000 people happy. That's what it comes down to. And keeping costs down and all that stuff. So, well, they rented the place out. What are the costs? The bottom line gets gets bigger. Well, I mean, obviously, if you're going to open up more of the the arena, you're going to need a larger staff to maintain the crowd in the arena, especially nowadays. Extra security, extra ushers. Yeah, you, have you gotta open have up, right. Open up more bathrooms. You have to open up more concession stands. You have to open yeah. up more entrances. So that creates a security situation. Well, so let's give that, them the benefit of the a, doubt. I, I, I hope maybe, maybe, if they see on day one what the demand is. Um, I also feel like they walk into this event not knowing what to expect every every, every time. It seems like, like it, yeah, right. it really does, it does seem like it's, it's like, haven't you guys done First this time before? around the block for these guys, yeah. <laughs> we don't know. We, we didn't think anyone was going to show up to this <laughs> thing, you know? I mean, all you have to look at it, at how how the store, you know, the celebration stores have been handled to realize oh, that they, they there seems to be no concept of demand, you know. <laughs> like, oh, oh, here we got the little booth. You could buy a ticket right there. There's like two guys working it, you know, and I yeah, I, that just astounds me every time. I mean, I remember the last one we were at. I was just standing there looking at it, like trying to figure out, like, what did they have in mind with this again? You know, I'm looking at these lines. And um, of course, well, you wait, needless you wait to say, eight hours. You, you wait like eight hours to get into. Oh, I can't do that. The I mean, gift that's shop, crazy. Yeah, to buy some merchandise. No, no way. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a? And how about getting? How about waiting? Park? How about waiting that time and getting up there and uh, to be told everything's sold out? That, yeah. That's the other thing that's happening. Well, my favorite thing is the running of the bulls in the dealer room for the exclusives <laughs> that go on that. sale at nine a.m. or ten a.m. or whatever. I mean, if you don't care, and and I got to be honest, I mean, I'm a collector, and there are certain things I'm very passionate about, but you know, it's like you know what, I'll, I'll buy it on eBay later. Really, I mean, because I just I'm not putting myself through that stress. And if you commit to not putting yourself through that stress, you can actually enjoy watching other people live through the stress. <laughs> yeah, you you can, you know, it's. Schadenfreude, yeah, yeah exactly. right. I, you know, I did that. Uh, I did that once or twice in, in Anaheim in 2015. I tried to get uh, um, the Lego thing, and I had no, I, you know, I did, I didn't know what it was going to be like. I know that those are always in demand, but I just, I went to the convention very early one day, like 6 a.m. Wow, the, the queue line was already just filled, but I thought I had a fairly good spot and they mm-hmm. opened the doors 
and uh, everyone went hustling in there, and like I went straight to the Lego booth, and it was already a line that was a mile long. Like, how, how does that, that happen? Possible? Exactly. I'm like, you know what? This is just this is just one big fix, you know. <laughs> It's all a scam. And I, it's all a scam. But I didn't have any. I didn't have any expectations. So I was like, okay, well, whatever. I went up. You know what I did? I went to the. Uh, I went up to the uh, uh, museum or what? What do they call it? The exhibit with the film props and stuff. And nobody was oh, there. Oh, yeah, museum replica. Yeah, guys. yeah nobody. Was, nobody was there. And it had uh, costumes for the Force Awakens that I hadn't seen. I had not. Oh, I had not exhibit. seen it. Yes. The exhibit. Yes, and. Yes. Uh, uh, that was the first time I saw Kylo Ren was yeah. at that exhibit. I'd never seen what he he was supposed to look like. Yeah, so that's that's there, where we found out that BB-8 was a was a was a dude. <laughs> that's what the, guy, <laughs> the, the puppeteers were there, yeah. and yeah, then they I were setting I, him up. I went through that uh, that display with Filoni also, which was kind of enlightening because he knew more than he would. Be oh, allowed yeah. to say at that time, so I would say things and like I'd like, oh, BB 8s in the back of that X-wing, and he'd look at me and go. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew, yo, know, the evil laugh, the diabolical, you know. Yeah, wouldn't you like to know? Wouldn't you so, like you to know, know what that guy so is? It, it was just like your ignorance is so cute to me right now. Yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> But but you know the lesson of that story though is keep your options open, folks. You know when you go into yes. these, don't have your heart set on something. If you go there and see encounter a line that looks like it's going to be an eight hour wait, just try to find something else to do because there's always multiple things going on at once. I, I, that that exhibit, I'm telling you, there was nobody in there. Uh, I, I spent uh, a good forty minutes in there looking around. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I walked by it. Several hours later, and uh, that was just a mob scene that looked like people were <laughs> about ready to set up tent outside of that too. So, um, you know, always, yeah. always, always have at least uh, th- you know two or three choices of what you want to do going at any given time. Yeah, I and, totally, uh, I, I totally agree. And yourself. when it comes to those exclusives uh, from the the, the big uh, licensees, uh, you know. Uh, set reasonable expectations. I mean, you got to be willing to get up at, you know, the crack of dawn or, or, or stay up all night the night before in some cases. And it's like, what's it really, what's it really worth to you? And you know what? If, look, if you're that passionate about it and you're like, but that's what I live for, man. I love doing that. And I hang out in the lines. We have a good time. Go for it. Go for it. I was young once, you know, go for it. But I just, nothing's worth that to me. You know, I like I said, I'll pay scalper prices on eBay mm. later. You know, I'll roll over in bed and buy it off my buy it on my phone. Um, but uh, no, I mean, there's there's so much to do and so much to look forward to with this uh, show. I you know, I still I can't believe that it's going to be in Chicago and it's a couple of months away. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're telling me. Yeah. You're telling me because a lot it of people home. are a lot of down. people are asking about a Rebel Force Radio live podcast, mm-hmm. and there are things in the works behind the scenes. Uh, they're they're even behind the scenes for me, so I can't. I, even, I was going to say I don't even know what's going. Uh, on. I don't know. I mean, but we have top people, top mm. people working on this, and. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be able to tell you about it soon. We'll be telling the Rebel Force Radio Patreon community about it first and foremost, though, and they're going to get the first shot at tickets. Mm-hmm. 
looking at some places in downtown Chicago, close to McCormick Place. That's a big thing for me. I want it to be close to McCormick Place. And uh, a lot of people don't realize, you know, Chicago, they're coming to the city. It's a huge city. I mean, it's really expansive. It's gigantic. So I I just want to make sure that we're keeping everything nice and tight and close to the actual convention center itself so people can uh, get to it with ease. But more details to come. I just want to, you know, put it at a time and a place where it's the most accessible to the most amount of people. And we can have the biggest bash of all time. Live podcast event. And Billy, yeah, so- Billy Mack will be there. I will yeah. be there, man. Yes. Yeah. Damn right. <laughs> and, of course, uh, we'll have be uh, surrounded by loyal Rebel Force Radio listeners. And uh, speaking of loyal Rebel Force Radio listeners, we've got a special guest who's going to be joining us here in just a moment. On the hotline here, we've got uh, Michael Jasmine. Michael has uh, something he wanted to uh, do this week for us here. What's going on? What brings you here to uh, Rebel Force Radio Land? A couple years ago, there's a couple cons in Michigan. One of the big ones that we have in northern Michigan is the uh, Traverse City Comic Con. Mm -hmm. Um, And at that event, there's a, a vendor that makes a specific item. She actually makes... Uh, different they're called ruppets and uh she makes custom puppets you know she makes star trek characters star wars characters basically if you can come up with something she'll make it she had made a chewbacca puppet which i took notice of and was like well that's pretty neat so last spring i'm in my bathroom painting the ceiling uh just doing some work on the house we're getting ready for a graduation party just trying to make things look nicer and i'm hearing uh billy mac He's doing readings out of a book, and he's doing, you know, the Lando, the voice, and oh. I'm like, that is just so remarkable how well he does that, and uh, <laughs> and it got me thinking, and I'm like, you know what, you know what he probably needs is just, you know, a little bit of inspiration, maybe we could find something, and uh, if you could pull it out now. <laughs> oh my god, what is this? He's opening the box now. He's okay. <laughs> Let's see him. Well, wait a minute. Let me let me hold on. Let me get my hand up. At Ladies and gentlemen. God. <laughs> let me get my hand up in there. Well, well yeah. Because it's a puppet Lando. It is. Oh my Lando. god. Look at that. This is amazing. Let's see. I don't know how to do the uh Wow, this is like full on uh, Muppet quality here. Oh, I heard! I heard his voice get a little deeper. How you doing, Chewbacca? Wait a minute! I'm not. I, you know, obviously, I have no puppet experience here. But how you doing, Chewbacca? Are you still hanging around this loser? <laughs> All right. Uh, hello. What have we here? I'm Lando uh, Calrissian. I'm the administrator of this facility. <laughs> oh, this is great, of- man. Well, thank you. It's I don't know if this is. You know, wasn't there a character on South Park, a teacher that walked around with a puppet all the time? This may yeah, be Mr. where Garrison. I'm headed yeah. with this. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Garrison or whatever. Yeah, he had Mr. Hat. This could go into some very disturbing territory. <laughs> all right. Well, we need to have uh, Puppet Lando perform for us. So I thought it would be great if we could have him actually <laughs> recite... Some Lando Calrissian, Billy D. Williams tweets 
These are oh. actual tweets. Oh, you want me to do it with the puppet? Yes. These are actual tweets from Billy D. Williams' mm. Twitter account. Okay. His official Twitter account. I don't know how good account. I'm going to do with the... Uh... At... <laughs> quit making excuses already. At real realbdw.com. Yeah. I'm shooting video of this at the same time. Oh, so. oh man. Okay. Jimmy's multitasking. All right, let's get some uh, good lights on him. All right, these are actual tweets from Billy D. Williams' Twitter account, starting with one from this week to warn all of the Billy D. Williams fans out there that we're dealing with a polar vortex that has swept across the Midwest, and uh, Billy D. Williams cares about you. Yeah, well, you don't want to mess around with this polar vortex. <laughs> hey, baby. It's cold. It's really cold outside. I'm thinking of everyone across the country battling below zero temperatures today. Stay safe and warm. And if you have to go outside, don't forget your cape. <laughs> and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go off script right here and tell you that you need to dress in layers. And I don't mean, I don't mean Princess Leia. <laughs> here's another one of my tweets. It's nothing like a, nothing like a kick-ass workout with at Gunner to beat my, to beat the rainy day blues. Who's Gun? Oh, Gunner's his trainer. Yeah, you know Gunner. Well, yeah. Well, well he's yeah, a good friend of mine, Jason. <laughs> hey, hey. Sorry, Billy. Hey, Ed Hamill himself. Remember the 80s? <laughs> good times and great memories. Real tweets. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, these are real tweets. That's a shout out to Luke Skywalker. <laughs> it is so fulfilling to express myself when painting. The struggles and the joys, the pain of the people, something tangible to reflect upon. What, what the oh, hell is he painting? Well, uh, <laughs> well, I do, I do Lando uh, stuff, and uh, you know, regurgitate my my feelings. Uh, what's my next? tweet here uh, <laughs> fond memories acting alongside Sophia Loren in the 1986 movie Courage I'm, I'm sure you all saw Courage it was a, <laughs> a big hit in 1986 I recall being in awe of Sophia's beauty elegance and talent what yeah. else at Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah, we're going to shoot the bull a little bit. Congratulations on your nominations. What a performance. You're talented. Your, your talents are limitless. And... <laughs> What else, you got mean, there? what else you got there, Billy Mac? That's random. That's a random uh, tweet there. Uh, oh, she's absolutely Billy beautiful. D Lady, Gaga, Lady Gaga, just out of nowhere. Late. Well, we go way back. Uh, she's a musician. <laughs> no, I'm serious, Jason. We're, we're pretty tight, me and Lady Gaga. 
Thank you to my fans for supporting my great and wild ride called life. My- you got to see it with a puppet. I mean, this is amazing. <laughs> He's got the puppet going. He's- well, the puppet is very inspirational. <laughs> my love is here to stay. May the force awaken in all of us in 2019. And stay warm, uh, you know, with that polar. And if you are driving, the, well, the polar vortex, you know. I Now, we don't get that kind of weather on, on Cloud City. Um, but, and I, I didn't go to the ice planet in, in Empire. But I did talk to Han and Chewie. Uh, and, you know, they, they told me, they don't, you don't mess around with that type of cold. Um <laughs> I, I know Chewie had a problem with one of his toes looking <laughs> looking a little little off color there. Um, we had to get him into uh, into the medical facilities. You know that guy with the ice cream uh, thing on yeah, right uh, well, on Cloud probably, City. He, well, he 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 takes care of the frostbite, like a, like um, a like a back tank, tank, but just for the feet. Yeah, know, well, it's like a little it's medical little whirlpool bath of back to tank for the for the toes. Wookie toes. Yeah, that's right. You're a smart guy, Jason. <laughs> Lando. May the force be with us all. Wow. Puppet that's Lando. incredible. Puppet Lando making his debut here now this, on Rebel Force Radio. Now, since I... Uh, oh, boy. Does this mean I don't have to wear a mustache again, or I do? Because me well, with the puppet and a mustache... What you need to do is work. If I start your, dressing like the puppet, you need to work on your ventriloquism skills, though. You guys got to uh, take this on the road. I see a, I see a meaningful future for you two. At the, I feel uh, like uh, what was that guy? In uh, Vegas. Uh, Who's that guy? Remember uh, Ty, uh, Tyler and Lester or whatever? Remember that oh. guy? <laughs> he used to be out. Hollywood Squares and stuff. Was he, yeah, was he? What was he on? Like oh, solid gold or something? <laughs> Tyler and Lester. Tyler yes. and Lester. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, you have oh. brought us, uh, Michael. You have brought us years of laughs and uh, entertainment <laughs> to come. This is really Michael. Thank you. Special. This is the best gift I've gotten, and I don't know when. <laughs> Thanks, I mean, this is an original, it, it, and I can't wait for everybody listening to be able to check out the video and the photos. We'll have those. <laughs> Uh, posted at rebelforceradio.com because uh, this is something you really got to see. Uh, it, I mean, the, well, the, the imitation is just fabulous, but as as Jimmy's, I can only imagine what it looks like with the puppet. <laughs> oh, with my God. The, I'm preparing the video right now. I can't even wait. This is oh. the greatest. What a, what a gift. I told Chris, our graphic arts design guy, and I showed him a picture of the puppet. And... I have to read Chris's response when he saw the puppet because it's it's just so hilarious and very dead on. Uh, <laughs> Chris says, that thing is going to be to Jason like car keys are to babies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Point taken. <laughs> yes. If, if Triumph the Insult Dog could get a lot of mileage... <laughs> I think Puppet Lando is going to take us places. This show is going places, kid. Wow. And we have Michael to thank. Michael, that is, uh, that's awesome. 
for thinking about us. Very thoughtful. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I've been listening for years and years. Appreciate everything. And uh, just wanted to send a little something along. So, well, that's a that's big something. It. That's a big something. And thank you for thinking of us and uh, thinking of the show and, and Billy Mac. I mean, wow. Bill, how are you going to display that in your collection? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, that's exactly what I'm thinking. It's a little, you know, when, he, when I don't have my hand in it, his mouth is... His, <laughs> His mouth is in the open position, so I'm trying to think of like how I can how I can close how I can secure that. It's just getting worse. I'll get a stand. It's for worse it or all something. the time. Well, Michael, I hope that uh, this lived up to your expectations, and we'll make sure you see the the video of all of this. But okay. uh, and 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 don't forget that. Uh, Billy Mac and uh, Puppet Lando will be performing nightly at Star Wars Celebration at uh, 9.30 each evening inside the, the Hoth Ice Lounge. Which is also known as the parking garage at McCormick Place. <laughs> He'll be there right next to the Pedway. Tips will be accepted. The question, Bill, is do you, are you going to get, you know, all, all great puppet artists, they have those, those nice trunks to put it in. You can have that kind of nice trunk with, uh, with maybe the name engraved and... You know, you carry it around. <laughs> it's like a nice satin pillow inside oh for him. God. Yeah, and and do that that thing where you can kind of throw your voice and go, mm, "Let me, let me out, let me out." <laughs> hey, look, everybody, it's it's Puppet Lando. Get him his own seat on the, on the airplane. Uh, you could un. Oh, right. you, you could, <laughs> he could be in carbonite, and he could be in there going. What's that? You got the little well, carbonite. Oh, he's, I think he's in perfect hibernation. <laughs> well, the real, the real test is going to be if you wake up tomorrow morning and he's still in the same place as you put in the night before. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. You don't want to. You don't want to wake up in the middle of the night and hear scampering going on and a shadow of Puppet Lando across the room. <laughs> Looking for me. <laughs> I'd like to play. Magic situation, <laughs> yeah. Hello, what have we here? Oh, man. All right. Well, Michael, thank you so much. Uh, what, a, what a pleasure. What a treat. Thank you for being here. And it's the gift that's going to keep on giving for a long, <laughs> long time. I, he will get a place of honor, believe me. Quite unexpected. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You guys All have right. a good night. All right. You too. You too Thanks man. so much. Yep. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Rebel Force Radio. Wow! Unbelievable. So, what do you think? What a great gift. What do you think now? Is is this is a one of a kind here? Puppet Lando is is actually here with us, and <laughs> and there's so much we can do with Puppet Lando now. We can give Puppet Lando his own YouTube show. <laughs> I mean, this could. I really just want a Hollywood Square. That's all I want. <laughs> oh, that shows. That shows not on anymore. Could we is get it? Puppet Lando on Hollywood Square? <laughs> I think Snoop Dogg is hosted Joker's Wild these days, and you know, with, with with what that guy consumes, you could probably throw a puppet in front of his face. He wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> Hi, Jason. Hi, Jimmy. It's Bob. I listen. You wanted it. The fans demanded it. I give you the Lobot movie coming in twenty twenty. <laughs> I think Padme Amadella is a Sith Lord because her number two decoys always get whacked and she has uh, decoys or ladies-in-waiting even after she's queen, which is strange. Uh, that's something to look into story-wise. 
We're going to put an automatronic Palpatine in the hall of presidents and wire the seats to give a slight shock. It should be fun. Uh, someone leaked plans to the new park's offering, so I've been going around with a group of death squad troops to track them down. What do you mean she lost the will to live? What about the twins? Take care, gents. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you what. This guy just, just, uh, he just parachutes in. Uh, once in a while, and lays some bombshells on us. Let's, we we got to unpack all this. Uh, Bob Iger talking about we've got uh, a Lobot movie coming in 2020. Also, a Padme movie where she becomes a Sith Lord. Did he call her Padme Amidali? I, <laughs> Bob, Bob's not really steeped in the lore, as we say. I think we should do a film commentary track with Mr. Iger, Puppet Lando. Mm. And then you like you, mystery and you science and theater, and, and you and me, right, <laughs> right, right. Uh, we, we had to, what Palpatine showing up in the Hall of Presidents, and you, it gives you a little shock when you get too close. <laughs> I mean, it's just really like a flow of consciousness that's just Mister Iger's is throwing at us. It's, it's incredible. It's He's really just throwing it all fire, against the- <laughs> rapid fire ideas. He is throwing it all against the uh, the wall, as so to speak, to see what sticks. And <laughs> that's a hell of a way to uh, to create Star Wars. That's brilliant. Uh, but you know what? We can't get it all right. Just like Bob Iger, there are times when we screw up, and we have a correction this week here on the show. Um, two weeks ago, we talked about the Star Wars Hotel. Now, this is a big part of... The Galaxy's Edge experience. There's going to be this hotel. Bill, have you heard about this hotel? Yeah. Have we had you on the show? So, so you, you check into this hotel, and as long as you're there, no matter what you're doing, you could be going to the bathroom, you could be eating in one of the restaurants, wherever you are, you're in the Star Wars universe. The, 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 the staff, they never break character. You, there's no escape. There's no escape. So this hotel... Um, we we said that it was going to be in um, in California. It's actually not. It's going to be in uh, Disney Hollywood Studios in Orlando. Mm. So sorry about the uh, if those of you that maybe got excited about it or you know whatever uh, we met, that was that was a mistake. It's not going to be in Anaheim. It's going to be in Orlando. No, we literally I, had people reach out to us saying, "Really, hey, you know, um, making travel arrangements." Just want to confirm with you. Oh God! Yeah. Really? So really? We're, yeah. So we're on for Anaheim. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh God! Swank. I think I, I I remember what might have thrown me off. What's that? Is is the fact that actually the amount of land that they have in Anaheim is larger than the plot of land that they have for this for Star Wars land in 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 Florida. Mm. So the the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge will be larger in Anaheim than it is in Orlando. However, the hotel will be adjacent to Galaxy's Edge at uh, in Hollywood Studios in Orlando. So they're getting the hotel, but the footprint of the Galaxy's Edge will be larger at the Anaheim Park. So hence the confusion, right? We'll have to do them both. Yes. And we'll have to do the hotel. And Bill, you're in on that one, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. We'll do it all. Um, the thing with the hotel, though, I almost want to, for the price that they're going to be charging for two nights there, 
I want to make sure all the bugs are out of the system. I might want to sit back and wait for some reviews on that mm. before I actually go ahead. Well, weren't you kind of freaked out about this whole immersive idea that it was just a little too much? Well, you know, after a while, um, I might want to check out and, you know, just be me. <laughs> and just you know, let really, my freak flag fly a well, little bit. You, and, wait, how you, come you, you can't be you in in the Star Wars? Well, be, world? well, because they they assign you a character when you check into this. Thing. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, piggybacking off of the Lobot movie, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I, I want a clean shave and a headset. <laughs> I want that issued uh, stat when I get in that place. Headset yeah. implant. It, you know, some things it, are a little too real. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You got to kill stormtroopers in there? I mean, is it like Westworld? Oh, wow. Can you imagine that? Yeah. How accurate is this place going to be? <laughs> You're going to get some ice. <laughs> yeah. You're like in your boxer shorts at 3 a.m. and flip flops. You're going yeah. to get some ice out of the machine. I want to recreate that scene in, in, in A New Hope with Han running down the the Death Star corridor. Ah! I don't and you turn at the ice machine, and there there they are. Just the whole squadron yeah. is. So, so, there, so there you are in your flip-flops and boxer shorts approaching the ice machine. Next thing you know, you're in the Kylo Ren torture chamber. <laughs> Your bladder's half full. I have seen the ice machine. <laughs> you have tasted the cold ice. You've seen it too. <laughs> and then he put he puts the bucket of ice down your pants, and you're like Poe Dameron. <laughs> Fully immersive experience. I mean, there is yeah, right. There is a moment where like if you are going to the bathroom or you're, you're you know going to the ice machine or. Something and all of a sudden you find yourself cuffed by a couple of uh, overindulgent uh, actors, cast members there at the uh, at the hotel, and you just want to get some sleep. It could be a problem, but uh, anyway, well, you know what? Those you're, are called champagne problems. I'll take them. We'll figure that, it out. That Han Solo torture chair from Besbin. <laughs> 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 oh, there it is. Where's Jason? He went to go get chair. ice out of the machine like two hours ago. I... They didn't even ask me any questions. <laughs> oh. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. All right. Dropping the spoiler alert because the speculation is about to begin. And we're going to catch up on some uh, Episode 9 rumors. We might not be getting that trailer. We might not be getting a title. But we certainly can talk about all of the um, the guesswork that's going on here uh, throughout Star Wars fandom. And one particular meme that's making the rounds uh, that, Jim, you introduced to me. Uh, why don't you describe it here? Because this is this is one that really kind of blew my mind. And I thought, wow, the possibilities on this could be pretty exciting. The meme comes via a post to the Rebel Force Radio Facebook page from loyal RFR listener Wes Miller, who asks, would this change the way you view the sequel trilogy? The first thing you see in the meme is a photo of Luke, and he's that disheveled, 
beaten down husk of a man that he is there and he's on Octu and he's looking weathered and beaten with the long stringy hair and the unkempt beard and it says Luke then the next picture was and you see Luke as he's returned uh, to battle on crate and it says dead this is the next picture and the photo is of the submerged X-wing on Octu Next frame, all. And you see Luke there as we see him from the back in The Force Awakens with the cloak on. Next frame, along. And then there's Luke looking freaked out from the last shot. So <laughs> Luke was dead all along. Luke was hey. dead all along is what the meme says when you put all the pictures together. And with the imagery and with what we know about Luke and we replay all the events that happened in The Last Jedi. What if that was a vision Ray was having all along? What if that was just a manifestation of the Jedi spirit making an appearance to Ray on Octu? Or what if Octu never happened? And it was like a Mortis type situation where she found herself experiencing what she did. And Chewie, too. Or maybe a type of uh, purgatory limbo. Well, that's something to think about with Luke. Maybe yeah. Luke himself Octu is, is in purgatory. Uh, yeah. And he is going through this series of events to finally achieve the next step in Jedi immortality. Well, I have to tell you, I was so relieved to hear this theory because ever since I saw episode eight, I have wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with the fact that Chewie ate that porg. And if this is a mortis type situation, okay, we might be able to erase that wrong and and write it. Of course, you know, this is um, I, this is a very interesting uh, this is being dubbed the sixth sense uh, theory of episode eight. If you've uh, seen the Sixth Sense movie, no spoilers on that. You'll know what we're talking about. But this idea that um, Luke's limitations that seem very self-imposed in episode eight um, are a result of him uh, actually being either himself being limited, limited because he is a spirit, perhaps like Bill says, in purgatory or perhaps in the consciousness of Ray, and it's actually not Luke at all. It is a uh, an impression or a manifestation of Luke based on what she is imagining. Uh, that's interesting. I, I, I mean, but what this points to, guys, is fan expectation. Not all fans, of course, but fan expectation that J.J. is going to come in and do something radical to not necessarily erase, but mitigate the damage potentially or arguably done to Luke Skywalker's character in Episode Eight. Uh, this would be kind of a, a, a total nuclear option if, <laughs> in a sense, you relegated the whole film to being um, some sort of... Uh, illusion or fantasy is this at all is there any element about this bill that 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 is is feasible yeah i i i mean i haven't been thinking of this but I, I, there are some things i like about the idea because 
um, you know, I think if you're going to do something like this, you can. Th- this doesn't throw away everything from Last Jedi. It uses it, and that's really in storytelling the best type of shocker reveal. You know, I mean, that's why The Sixth mm-hmm. Sense was so good because when you find out at the end what's really going on, it makes you go back and reevaluate everything that you've seen. Mm. The worst kind of shock endings don't do that. <laughs> the worst mm-hmm. kind of shock endings tend to come out of nowhere and they kind of cancel out everything that you've seen. So, um, and, the, and those type of viewing experiences are very frustrating. I mean, they, they, they actually drive me crazy when I see it. Uh, I, frustrating is an understatement. So, I mean, I'm not opposed to the idea of something like that, provided they can use the material that we've been given in a, you know, kind of organic way. So it, it does make you kind of look back at Last Jedi and reevaluate what you saw. I mean, they could do mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so as long as it doesn't... Um render the film uh, pointless right or, or or you know like well you didn't really need to to have that um it, it there has to be some purpose to it mm-hmm. um jim what was it about this particular idea that that really scratched your itch because it, it seemed like this one really you know made an impression on you yeah well it instantly made me look back at episode eight and try to evaluate whether or not this premise could actually be feasible. Can it, can it be possible? And it can be. I really think it can be. It made me consider how this, this would set up episode nine if it were a, a premise that was actually something in play. Hmm. Luke was dead all along. So Ray was just experiencing... Again, like I said, a vision of Mortis-like proportions. And it would explain a lot. It it would explain a lot about the differences between Luke Skywalker and Jake Skywalker, if you will. You know, Mm -hmm. It, it it, it would be easy to put all the hangups you have about the way Luke's character has evolved. You could put it all aside. But then on the other side of the coin, it makes me say, well, what about Luke? How did he die? What's the story? Why we need that? And that's so much stuff happening off screen. You know, that's something the sequel trilogy has been kind of suffering with is a lot of off screen stuff happening. Kylo's fall to the dark side. Luke and Kylo's relationship disintegrating. You know, All we have is that one night when he decided to go in there and seek justice by executing Ben Solo based on the visio. He said he looked inside Kylo's mind and saw darkness. That's all so vague. Yeah. You know, we need something to hang our hats on here. And if Luke is then dead, then how did he die? We need that story. And it couldn't be he just crashed upon arrival on Octu and submerged his X-Wing and died in that that crash. I mean, <laughs> that can't be Well, <laughs> I mean, yes, I mean, those things happen. But, uh, 
you know, we want to know how he got there. It's almost like, yeah, it's slipping on a banana peel. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, after <laughs> Not all a way for this Luke characters, to, yeah. it has to be something big. This is the guy who took out the Death Star. I've been sitting on this... Um uh, on this story here, this is uh, from Cinema Blend. This goes back a, a, a little ways, about around the holidays times. And um, uh, this is this is some rumors here, guys. And th- this is actually um, reminds me of some of the rumors that we were hearing before the release of the Last Jedi. And this talks about a a ridiculously powerful Luke. I remember hearing rumors yeah. about, yeah, Luke is gonna he's gonna fly the Falcon, but with his mind, man. I love this. Just, yeah, I love that too. I thought that was really cool. So, according to Cinema Blend here, um, uh, that um, Luke is going to be uh, well ridiculously powerful, um, and one of the rumors is that uh, he is going to bring down a star destroyer. According to the rumor, while, yeah, right, that goes back. Uh, yeah. That does go back. I think that we were hearing about that in the lead up to episode eight, um, and uh, so this this super powerful Luke, uh, who had the ability to force project, casting that image across the galaxy to confront his nephew and provide the spark and the distraction that the, the resistance need was a display of ability and power unlike any we had ever seen before. So they're saying, look, there's a precedent for Luke being uber powerful. Um, when, I, when I hear or think of the idea of a, a Jedi pulling down a Star Destroyer out of space using the Force, I immediately think of, you know, the Force Unleashed. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of, you know, uh, over-the-top superhero powers that they were given. And here's another one. That, now, they talk about Luke's death... Um, only leaves a couple of possibilities for how he might actually come back. Uh, one is Luke isn't dead or is brought back to life, or we will see flashbacks of Luke uh, doing this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So either either he's, either he's not dead, he's brought back to life, or this is all going to happen in flashbacks now there's a wild card out there that says well what if he does this kind of stuff as a force ghost and i was gonna say that we don't really have um anything that leads us to believe that a force ghost can have that sort of power however in the force in in uh, the last jedi we see yoda interacting with the real world as a spirit if you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. You know, okay, Obi-Wan says, if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. But do we ever really see any evidence of that? Well, he is able to communicate with Luke from yeah. the beyond uh-huh. instantly upon being struck down. So mm-hmm. he has this omnipresent sort of vibe which I would consider to be quite powerful. Okay. Omnipresent. Think about that that for a second. Yeah, that that is that's a huge power. I mean that that's a that's an enormous power. But we don't see when I think of power, all right, and maybe this is my own limited view of it, I think of my ability to influence 
the corporeal world around me. That's what I think about power. If I have some sort of spiritual power, but I can't necessarily influence to any great degree the events or the circumstances in the corporeal world, how, how powerful is that? I'm sitting on a log having a conversation, but I don't know how, if I would consider that, you know, super powerful or, or being able to, you know, say, run, Luke, run, you know, I mean, <laughs> but, well, I mean, but isn't that the idea is that his influence on Luke is yes. what, what ultimately is mm. the power, um, his, mm-hmm. he's able to manifest his knowledge and his connection to the force through Luke, the offspring of the chosen one. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a much more powerful use of his skills than just being the weird old hermit that's hanging around, you know, <laughs> outside yeah. the uh, the family yeah. homestead. You know, I, he's now able to really use Luke as a vessel to follow through on the mission that he and Yoda set out upon two decades yeah. prior. I've always thought about that question, though, if that is what was intended by that line. Because I'm like you. I kind of I tend to think, like, uh, you know, more, more power than I can imagine would be, like, just blowing stuff up. Like, you know, yeah, right. you, 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 you struck me down. I'm going to blow this Death Star to smithereens <laughs> yeah. now. Can you yeah. imagine if he right. came back and was doing stuff like that? But see, I mean, that Vader would have been impressed with that. But I think... It's a much more subtle. I guess it's a, <laughs> a much more subtle idea. Right. But I uh, think yeah. the, 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 the thing that the Emperor and Vader slash Anakin were both chasing was immortality and the ability to prevent others from dying that seems like that was their big goal as Mm. as dark side practitioners that was their end game and it seemed like obi-wan had it figured out already and by having that ability to cheat death to be able to get struck down and just disappear and become this omnipresent influence on the most powerful light side user in the galaxy, Luke Skywalker, I think makes Obi-Wan extremely powerful, especially in the eyes of someone like Darth Vader, who's chasing that. That's That's the thing he's after, is that ability to cheat death. It is a type of divine intervention. But... Now, it, it, this may be obvious, but I didn't pick this up until way later. Like, um, the fact, and it, I mean, it, it's got to be intentional. The fact that it is uh, Obi-Wan after death is, is a disembodied voice, and then he's kind of a very vague image, and then he becomes, uh, yeah, old guy sitting on the log at the end. You know, it's, it's a mm-hmm. gradual, he, he's obviously getting more powerful in a, in a way in the afterlife. Um Right, I mean, isn't that the yeah, intent of, yeah. of how he's presented I, as a as a as a as a ghostly figure? I mean, because when he's when he first appears to Luke, you can barely see him. I mean, right, right. We we've talked about this where yeah. th- there is an evolution. Now, you could you could of course um, have it correlate to the technology that was being advanced throughout the making of the films that they were able to sort of create this um, ghost-like, you know, apparition of an actor in a, in a more realistic way. But you could also look at canonically and say 
that as either Obi-Wan's understanding of the Force progresses or Luke's understanding of the Force progresses, whichever you want to take, uh, his ability to see Obi-Wan and communicate with Obi-Wan increases. So you go from, as you say, a disembodied voice in A New Hope all the way to uh, you know, really just sort of a blue version of Alec Guinness in Return of the Jedi. And, and the in-between stage is that very um, uh, kind of ghostly apparition there on Hoth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, the intent had to be there because, well, I don't, I don't know if this, this necessarily means... Uh, that but but the, Alec Guinness w- was you know physically on the set acting with Luke. I I right. wasn't. They were acting with Mark Hamill, um, mm-hmm. which I wasn't even sure about until the uh, Rinsler book came out. And there's pictures in there of Alec Guinness with Mark Hamill d- uh, doing, ah. performing those scenes. So, um, so those weren't just some pickup shots that they did. No, yeah, he was he was he was there, and I guess the blue was added to him, uh, as, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to Hamill sitting there acting with nothing, which was well, which he was very much used to doing. Yes, well, I mean, but look at the difference in the way they portray Force Ghost Obi Wan on Hoth versus how they portray him there on Dagobah uh, in the same movie. I mean, there's definitely a Luke is you know you think about okay, let's look at Luke's condition. There on Hoth, he's 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 physically beaten, he's mentally exhausted, he's freezing to death, and his perception, his ability to perceive Obi Wan is kind of like when you're trying to tune in a, you know, a, a, a TV station. Kids these days, they don't know what that's like, but you know, a UHF <laughs> station. You know, you're trying to tune that that dial in, and it's not quite there. It's very very fuzzy. Then when you see him, and he's obviously uh, very very. Uh, fresh in his training uh, of the force. He turns around, he sees Obi-Wan and you know, you can practically reach out and touch him. Oh, well, yeah, okay. So Return you're the Jedi. You're, you're saying that it, it's just as dependent upon Luke as it is Obi-Wan, right? I, I, I'm saying that it, it I don't know. Um, but, but it, it definitely seems as though, as you say, Bill, that there was intent there because the technology existed, obviously, or they wouldn't have been able to make him look so, you know, real for lack of a better term, uh, on uh, Dagobah, as they did with in Hoth. So you get the sense that that very very tired, beaten Luke can just barely perceive uh, Obi Wan at that point. You know, George Lucas was toying around with the idea of bringing people back to life through the Force when he was writing Return of the Jedi. In the revised rough draft, I'm looking at Star Wars, the annotated screenplays, the book. Mm -hmm. In the revised rough draft, Luke has been taken prisoner and is being taken to the Emperor. He's inside the Imperial shuttle sitting in a small metallic cell. He's begging Ben to help him face his father. Ben? Ben! Begging Ben to help him face his father, saying he might be able to resist the dark side. Yoda's image appears for the first time in this draft. He tells Luke that Ben can no longer help him. 
His power to stay in the nether world has been spent, and he will soon be one with the Force. His identity lost forever. Only Luke can draw him back to the material world. But Luke is unsure of himself in his anger toward Ben for not telling him that Vader is his father could prevent him from coming back to the real world. So Luke's anger is blocking Ben to return back in the real world, bringing him back to life. Then Yoda tells Luke he has a twin sister, and she's the only hope left. Mm. And then when does Ben pop back in here? Again, with the annotated draft, you're getting an annotated version of the draft. So they skip around a lot. But they do mention later that Ben had returned. And uh, he goes to confront the Emperor in the Emperor's throne room. Uh, The Emperor, uh, he suddenly becomes aware of a presence behind him. He looks back and sees Ben in the flesh. Ben explains that he's come back to help Luke destroy the Emperor and his father. Yoda appears while Ben will be at his side. Yoda will also be able to help from the netherworld. Hmm. So Ben is crossing back over into the land of the living. Yoda stays in spirit world to assist. And then you have a quote from George Lucas in this book explaining why he decided that Yoda and Ben couldn't come back and help Luke at that moment. Uh, (laughs) Even though at some point Yoda and Ben interfered, I eventually decided they couldn't connect physically with what Luke was doing. I felt that one of the major issues in the third film is that Luke is finally on his own and he has to fight Vader and the Emperor by himself. If you get the sense Yoda or Ben is there to help him or to somehow influence him, it diminishes the power of the scene. So George had thought it out. Mm-hmm. And so it goes beyond like what can a Jedi do or what they can't do. I mean, to George, it's it's total blue skies, and the ceiling is infinite. So if he wants Yoda and Ben to come back, they'll come back. But he realized that for the best part of the story about Luke Skywalker, he has to you know complete that hero's journey on his own. And with Ben and Yoda there to help him, it diminishes his growth as a character. And that's what we all really were banking on all along when we saw the original trilogy was Luke succeeding. That has more to do with anything about Star Wars as far as I'm concerned. It has more to do with the character than the mythology when you think about the original trilogy. It all comes down to Luke. You want Luke to succeed. You want Luke to succeed, save all of his friends, save the galaxy, and... Defeat the bad guys. That's really the bottom line of the entire original trilogy. Yeah. Well, I mean, if this is the end of the Skywalker saga, that's, you know, it, it, it either, I think we've talked about this before. Jim, you brought it up. If this is the end of the Skywalker saga, then Ray, in some sense, really does need to be a Skywalker. Because they're building this up to really be, uh, you know, the climax for her character. So if Luke's already gone, 
they, they're not going to get that much out of Leia. I mean, God bless him. I don't care what Todd Fisher says. I mean, how much can you possibly get? I mean, she was alive for the making of the last two movies, right. and you, you got a little bit more than maybe 10 minutes total worth of footage of her in the whole movie. So if this is really the end of the Skywalker saga, how much Skywalker can there be in it at this point? Right. I mean, although we, we are forgetting Skywalker solo with with Kylo Ren, but... Bill, I want to ask you a question. And, and you're about, also yeah. forgetting. Mm-hmm. You're forgetting what? Anakin Skywalker. Oh well. I mean, shouldn't it all be tied up if it really is the Skywalker saga? Well, possibly. Um, before we get to that, because there is a theory about Anakin Skywalker, and this is a this is a wild ride. Um, before we get into that, Bill, I wanted to ask you of the two possibilities. Uh, either Luke not actually being dead or Luke coming back sort of Gandalf the, the, the white the style. Yeah. Um, or just seeing Luke more in his prime via some sort of uh, force back or flashback. Uh, which of those two ideas do you like the most? And would you like to see oh, man. Uh, thrown in there? Uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you when I see it. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm, I never, you know, I, it's it's hard for me to 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 uh, pick one or the other, dismiss an idea because uh, some I, some of, some of these ideas sound crazy, and then you get enough creative uh, um, integrity behind it, and it comes off really nicely. Um, I, there's been a lot of talk about flashbacks and the use of that, and and obviously not a big big uh, th- not unprecedented now because we had some in Last Jedi, but um, obviously not something that a device that's been used much in the Star Wars films. Um, with as much talk as there's been about use of flashback, it seems to me that if they were really going to embrace that, that they would go a little bigger with it, a la, like, Godfather 2. I mean, can you imagine them mm. spending that much time in the past? Um, it could be interesting. Um, I don't know if I'm totally confident of that approach, but I, I can imagine that uh, uh, being interesting. It certainly would be different. Um, I w- where, where, where a third or half of the movie could be told in flashback. Right. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's a two and a half hour movie, um, you know, I mean, if if it's something that's that that is tying in really organically with with the uh, you know the so called present day story, the main storyline, it, it could be something really cool. Um, I don't know that they would go that far. Yeah. Well, Cinema Blend, you know, what, what seems to be the impetus behind this whole story is they're saying, look, we've got a rumor about Episode Nine and a Luke Skywalker bringing down a Star Destroyer uh, with the Force. So is this a flashback of Luke? Is this uh, a, a, um, a Luke who has risen from the dead? What kind of Luke is this? They, they seem pretty confident that this is a scene that is likely to happen mm. or you know for, for all we know it's something that you know is it is they've seen nothing more than a concept sketch of it or maybe it was something that was a concept idea for episode seven or episode eight well just logic yeah just logically i'm not seeing how it would be a flashback necessarily what would it be flashing back to the right. battle I mean, of the Jakku. empire would be well yeah battle of jakku yeah. they're throwing that well, out there yeah, but is that Post, and that's is that the, established as being post Endor? Battle it of Jakku? Is. It is? It is. Oh, yep. Okay. So there's. And then 
you got Ray living or scavenging in that in that particular uh, Star Destroyer. So it's like, okay, so Luke was the one that brought down the Star Destroyer that Ray goes in. You know, yeah. Well, that would add some nice resonance to that. You know, um, if Luke is able to have this kind of ability, though, let's say that this is Force Ghost power. Uh, if if they're able to have that kind of impact uh, beyond the grave, does it does it minimize their death? Does it make it like, well, who cares whether they're dead or alive? They have the same you know ability to affect change, you know, in the universe, whether they're dead or they're alive. Who cares? Uh, yeah, it does minimize the death. Well, it um, depends on how it's all executed within the plot. Yeah, yeah, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I could see that it that it would, but what is the power? So, uh, but but are you saying that that Jedi power that uh, the, the, something you know a Jedi with with that much power that would that that would take place after he dies, or is he already that powerful? Well, I mean, is that I specifically a, a power that's given to him in the post life, so to speak? Well, that that I mean, that's a good question. I mean, because. Could, now we're talking about degrees of, I mean, we go from degrees of force ability as a, a living um, person uh, versus force abilities and degrees of force abilities once you cross over to the other side. So if you have a really, really powerful, um, I, I once heard, it's funny, I once heard somebody who claims to be a medium that can that speak to spirits and see spirits. Uh, they said, well, you know, if you were an a-hole in life, guess what? Um, death doesn't change that. You're an a-hole in death, too. So that explains a lot of the ghosts and, you know, and hauntings and things. Um, but here's the question. So if you're, if you're uh, as powerful as Luke Skywalker is or Anakin Skywalker in life, in death, you are also really, really powerful. So to your point, Bill, about... You know, are we talking about this is some sort of power that they get because as a result of them crossing over? I don't know. I would assume that you're super powerful and then you are uh, free of the, you know, what's the expression? The surly bonds of the earth. Yeah. Um, that you would your your powers would be perhaps even magnified more because you were no longer encumbered by the, you know, the physical limitations and then you're uh, what a weapon of war i i the whole idea yeah, is just right. funky I, I, to me i, I don't even know what yeah. to make of it because you know <laughs> whenever you take characters and make them that powerful um it just they become very hard to relate to um yeah. you know there there's that character in watchman dr manhattan he's yes. a big big blue guy and he was able to do anything now he was a man at one time and then he became this all-powerful being and uh and he he's just too weird he can't relate to anybody because he's just he's in a he's on another plane of existence right. entirely but i mean that's but the that doesn't of his character too is he struggles it's, he's a walking dilemma yeah and yeah, and they right. and of course the, the he's you know used in in war and stuff and and it's uh <laughs> Yeah, well, it's very subversive, but okay. but he's not a character. I mean that that is kind of the the idea behind him is that he's his humanity is just obliterated. Uh, he's become something that people don't even relate to or recognize, and I think that you you always run into that. I I, I mean, so Luke Luke obtaining that kind of power and death. I just or or even okay, even if he's always had that power, but 
for him to be taken down Star Destroyers after he dies does present the question of why would he be, uh, you know, fighting in, you know, fight, fighting this battle. Uh, I mean, wouldn't he be interested in more spiritual yes, things at that point? Right. It would have it just to doesn't be seem a consistent with a force character. It would have to be a flashback if that were to exist in the film. I mean, it just doesn't. It doesn't jive. It doesn't even jive with the Luke that's alive in Episode Eight. Yeah, no. if he is alive. Yeah. All right, Bill, are you ready for your mind to be blown? Blow my mind. All right, this All right. is big. So you this have to is... strap in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strap in for this one. Okay, this comes by way of Reddit, so you know it's got to be have, have some amount of truth in it, right? Uh, so, yeah, so this is, uh, you know, Reddit, it, it, it's... There's people on there that you know claim to be part of the production, uh, claim to be part of the creative team, or are are in the know for what's going on with with, with all kinds of things. Star Wars is no different. So um, here is this is someone uh, anonymous, of course, posted this sort of um, summary capsule of Episode Nine. Right here we go, and I'm going to clean this up because there's some foul language in here. The movie itself is rather effing dull until the ending. The resistance needs help, have to appeal to a crime syndicate. Of course, the leader of the syndicate is Lando. Lando unites all the outlaws against the First Order, and of course, they win. Kylo and Rey continue their weird Skype sessions and are almost different factions from the larger war. But ultimately, there is a big showdown at the end of the movie between them. Kylo is beating the F out of Ray. Ray appeals to his emotions, catches him slipping, literally, and gains the upper hand. He surrenders. She can end him, but doesn't. Their environment fades away, and they find themselves in another realm. The ghosts of Yoda and Obi-Wan are waiting for them. Obi-Wan explains that they have overcome their spiritual battle and become one with the Force. Where Kylo Ren and Rey once stood, Anakin effing Skywalker is now. So, where Kylo Ren and Rey stand, they are replaced by Anakin Skywalker. Mm -hmm. Yoda congratulates Anakin on finding balance and light within himself. And Obi-Wan says someone is waiting to see them. They all fade away and reappear on Endor and look on fondly as the rebels celebrate on Endor and Luke smiles at the three. <laughs> Bill's mind is blown. That's <laughs> just blown. That's crazy. I got to mop up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there you go. So what they're essentially saying is that what we see play out in the sequel trilogy is Anakin Skywalker working out his own demons. He's, he's earning his redemption in the afterlife. Earning his redemption in the afterlife, exactly. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that uh, is a little, uh, that's a bit much isn't it do you, so what <laughs> that's, are you saying that's almost too out there i mean that that's like the the, the snow globe ending of of saying elsewhere 
It's like it all always happening in somebody else's mind the entire time. Or, or the, oh, God, uh, is, that a, is that how they ended St. Elsewhere? So, well, uh, yeah. There, one of the doctors had this autistic boy who would appear from time to time in the show. And uh, he, he really did not have uh, any social skills, uh, hardly at all. It was very, uh, um, you know, he would say, Tommy hungry, Tommy want to go to bed. That was about all he could do. And anyway, at the end of the show, there's this scene where his dad, who is the head, sur- head doctor at this hospital, comes walking in wearing a hard hat like he just got off of a construction job. It's like, wait, what's going on, what's going on here? And the boy is on the floor with a snow globe, and he, he says, God, I, I don't know what to do. All he does is sit here and look at this snow globe, and they, show, they zoom in on the snow globe, and the hospital's in it. So, so the whole so damn the, show suggested, was, a, was, yeah. was the kids in it's, the kids' imagination. That's yes, that that was the oh end of the show. Oh my gosh! I know. <laughs> I know. Wow! Well, it, it, right, this is that. It's kind in that of realm. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That's that's the level of misdirection we're dealing with mm-hmm. here. If if that were actually to be true, and I know some people who really want it to be true because they're so desperate to see anything that just negates what happened in episode <laughs> eight, anything to make it. Well, the the one thing I will say that that is that is uh, kind of interesting about it. Um, now I'm not I'm not saying that the, I I wouldn't want to see that that type of ending. Okay, but. Um, the thing about Darth Vader's story that I always found so fascinating is that when we talk about, it, we always say, "Oh, well, he was redeemed." But of course, Darth Vader as a character had done a lot of really, really horrible things. Um, so the idea of redemption and forgiveness is is um, it's 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 very complicated with him because if he but we don't really have to deal with it too much because he dies. So it's like. Mm-hmm. Yes, whatever forgiveness, whatever, whatever, whatever kind of redemption he's going to re- receive, it's really in somebody else's hands. It's going to happen in the afterlife. Well, he did. He was directly responsible for the assassination of the most hated evil man in the universe, the leader of the Galactic Republic, a republic that had oppressed. Thousands and thousands of star systems. Well, no, that was a good act, but I don't know that it it cancels out the other things he did. It's just, you know, I mean, he did, that that's the whole problem. I mean, he did a lot of really awful things, and and if 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 he had lived, I mean, what is the idea that we're just going to let him go unpunished for the things that he he did? Well, that's a good point, Bill. I mean, it, take a look look at look at Hitler. It's right? a little more existential. Let, let, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, let's say that. Uh, uh, that that Rommel uh, or or one of Hitler's uh, top uh, henchmen would have would have assassinated the Führer there at the end. Are we going to just all of a sudden say, okay, well you're a good dude, and um, you obviously saw the light, so you're going to be, uh, you know, um, statues erected in your honor? And- no, no. Well, I don't know. Celebrated is exactly the way you should go about it, but I'd say. I'm good with him after that, but keep an eye on him. Well, and he doesn't—he doesn't get punished for for the. No, you're right about that. I, I, I you know, you you can't. Uh, one good deed does not erase someone's past criminal. 
and or it, hatred. Yeah, and I mean, it could get into really deep. I mean, deep philosophical things. I mean, can you be forgiven? I mean, who are we to forgive him for you know, say, killing the younglings? Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, the victims of that crime were the younglings. Uh, so, I mean, who are we to say that? Oh, yes, we forgive you for that. I mean, really, the only people capable of truly forgiving him would would be his victims. But but since they're dead, that, that's impossible. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, the idea at the end of Jedi, it's suggested that he did reach some kind of redemption because we see him standing there smiling with Yoda and Ben. But it, it's kind of like how that took place is is really it, it, it's in another realm of existence. So, I mean, I guess I, I kind of like the the idea of maybe exploring that a little bit more, but I, I, mm, I wouldn't want gotcha. to see it. Yeah. So, I mean, it, that, that part of it I find interesting, but I would hate, I, I wouldn't want to see this literally happen. <laughs> no. Yeah. That, I'm with you. I think that the, I, the notion that there was some sort of penance, there was some sort of uh, quest or task or whatever you want to say mm-hmm. to, to, for Anakin to earn his way back into the good graces of uh, the order of things um, is is great idea, but boy, there's a difference between thinking about it and seeing it play out in a film. All right, let's talk about George Lucas and his direction for the sequel trilogy and where he wanted that to go. Things that we heard about the sequel trilogy back in the days when George still owned Star Wars and Lucasfilm was still under his direction. Uh, there was always those whispers about the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. They would it would be dealing with a very gray area uh, where you know black isn't necessarily black and white isn't necessarily white, and it was hard to really determine what good and bad actually was. And there was the author Dale Pollock who wrote the. Uh, autobiography of George Lucas called Skywalking. He claims to have seen an early outline or a mini treatment for George's idea of the sequel trilogy. And he also reiterated it was, you know, things were happening in in kind of that middle area where it was difficult to tell right from wrong. Then George revealed In this book from James Cameron that came out last year, James Cameron's Story of Science Fiction, George said the next three Star Wars films were going to get into a microbiotic world. There's this world of creatures that operate different than we do. I call them the wills. And the wills are the ones who actually control the universe. They feed off the force. So that was kind of a direction in which he was thinking about delving into. Hmm. Lucas says the midi-chlorians were key to his vision for the Force. Back in the day, this is George, I used to say ultimately what this means is we are just cars, vehicles for the wills to travel around in. We're vessels for them. And the conduit is the midi-chlorians. The midi-chlorians are the ones that communicate with the wills. The wills, in a general sense, they are the force. All the way back to with the force and the Jedi and everything, the whole concept of how things happen was laid out completely from the beginning to the end. But I never got to finish. I never got to tell people about it. 
Oh. Well, okay. that's a well, you, you, you get you know four and a half billion dollars will uh, <laughs> put an end to your story pretty quickly, pal. <laughs> But, yeah. you know, and that is unfortunate because I do think that George got fired from Star Wars, essentially, once Disney took over. And they evaluated his contributions and said, no, this doesn't work. We're going in a different direction. And I think J.J. Abrams is the guy who really sort of forced that issue. And, uh, you know, they said, well, how do we deal with George? I don't know. I'm just going to keep working on this thing, and we'll send him the script when we're done. So George is like, well, you know, I'm... Looking forward to uh, collaborating with JJ. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the FedEx guy shows up and it's a full script with a post oh. with a post-it note on it that says, George, what do you think? Yeah. What do I think? Well, I think this is crap. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, didn't we actually see uh, photos or off photo of George and JJ hanging in a coffee shop? At one point, after J.J. was named the director? No, I think that's an older photo, though. Oh, is that yeah, what it is? I think okay, that was a, right. yeah, when George was still running the company and stuff. Oh, okay. there, were, there were situations where the two of them were together many times, you know? There, were, there was always kind of like a, a general appreciation for each other, obviously. Well, I mean, he was a good, good he was a protege of Steven Spielberg. Exactly, right. George's bestie, so... Got that going on. Yeah. Well, obviously, we have a lot of time to uh, continue reviewing these rumors and uh, discussing what types of uh, methods are are available to J.J. Abrams to kind of satisfy uh, all fans or most fans in the Star Wars universe. So, you know, you can't be too uh, much of a an apologist on the on the one side and then on the other side, you know, because you're going to disappoint people who um, were, you know, not big fans of what happened in the film. And then you can't go so much the other way and negate it all for those that really did like the film and, and what it said about uh, these characters. So, uh, you know, J.J.'s got to look. We've all known that he's had a, a, a big, big job uh, ahead of him. And uh, we'll find out. Uh, but for now, let's check in with uh, Star Wars in pop culture. Rebel Force Radio. You've already made that Star Wars reference. Your source for the Force. Star Wars parody! <laughs> All right. So uh, now this is a show that I don't watch. <laughs> I'm not really I'm not really into the drums. No. Um, no. And, and it, boy, as soon as I have, uh, you know, the, the people I go to lunch with, uh, you know, uh, talking about, the, you know, the, their programs that they watch the night before and they get all teary and start talking. I'm like, well, that's a show I'm never going to watch. I'm not <laughs> and one of those such shows is This Is Us. This Is Us. Hey, listen, mm-hmm. last time we played clips from This Is Us, we got a bunch of mail say, don't ever play clips from This Is Us. <laughs> I mean, really, people start throwing down. And I'm like, but wait a second. It's, it's Star Wars in pop culture. We are just taking note of the fact that Star Wars references are everywhere, even in a crap show like This Is Us. <laughs> and listen, ladies and gentlemen, we're not playing clips of This Is Us because we think This Is Us is a good show. We're playing clips from This Is Us because they're talking about Star Wars. Hey, Star Wars is everywhere, and we need to celebrate it when it even infiltrates places we think suck, like This Is Us. <laughs> 
All right, this Jeez. is us. I mean, but this is us is really that kind of show. It's real melodramatic, yeah, yeah, yeah. tearjerker, network TV drama. You know, people we're supposed to relate to, but at the end of the day, we don't relate with these people at all. Except when it comes to vintage Star Wars action figures. Mm. And that came up in a recent episode of This Is Us. Mm-hmm. NBC, Tuesday nights, 9 p.m., 8 central. This Is Us had an episode called The Last Seven Weeks featuring the, the drama as Kate and Toby get ready for the baby. Oh, so not Kate and Toby. Kate and Toby, yeah, they get seven weeks till baby shows up. So they are looking at the space they have in their their homestead, and they're realizing that it's time to turn their, you know, kind of fun junk room into a, a nursery. So they start evaluating the square footage in their place, and uh, Toby realizes that this is getting real. So I was thinking, we're just using this room to store all of our junk, you know. I think it's time that we turn this room into a nursery. I am so on board. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I was just waiting because you were hesitant. Yeah. So you need to sell all your toys. Uh, yep. Sell all your toys. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. And you heard mm-hmm. Toby. He was just like, oh. But, you know, reality is smacking Toby hard upside the head. So they, uh, you know, box it all up. And and uh, Kate goes to the college campus and has a little rummage sale. And then Toby comes home from work. Oh, no. I know it's coming. Well, are we rich? These kids at my college, they went crazy for our stuff. Yeah, well, we're so old to them, our stuff is considered vintage. Uh, uh, where, uh, where's the uh, where's the box that I tucked under the counter? I, I don't know. I think I sold it. No, no, it was marked. Uh, it was marked DNS. Yeah, it was donations. I sold it. One less trip to the goodwill. No, that DNS does not stand for donations. It stands for do not sell. That box was home to my original complete set of 1977 Star Wars action figures. I'm sorry. It was an accident, babe. You should have asked. You should have asked. Babe, come on. They're just toys. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. They are not just toys. They are action figures, first of all. Action figures that have traveled with me from house to house after my parents got divorced, into my college dorm room, through six L.A. apartments, so that someday I could hand them down to my kid. But now... Don't. <laughs> Done. Oh. Done. And so, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know. Now, there's a few things I'd like to point out. Devotion to accuracy department. Mm. Uh, Toby claimed that those were his original 1977 Star Wars action figures. Yes. Well, um. anyone who is actually collecting action figures in 1977 realized that we went that whole summer into the mm-hmm. fall, into the Christmas season with no Star Wars action figures. Yep. The earliest we could get our hands on Star Wars action figures was spring 1978. So, Toby, I already question your authenticity. <laughs> you know, but no, he did like six LA apartments, wanted to pass it down to Toby Jr. 
et cetera, et cetera. Okay, been there, done that. So I understand Toby's angst and his, uh, his dedication to vintage Star Wars action figures. And we salute Toby here, even though he's on the suck-ass show, This Is Us. <laughs> How old, how old is Toby? Is he old enough to have those figures? That's a good question. Yeah, he's having a kid uh, late in life here. Hey, guys, I think we just... Uh, now, here's the question. Is This Is Us based in, like, the year 2019? Or sure is it, it is. Are you sure? Or uh, is it, like, a, a flashback what, like to Mad the Men? 90s? Like no to the nineties. Oh, okay. to the nineties. I don't think so. I, I think it takes place in modern present day. Wow, and he's just having kids now. Yeah. And those were his original nineteen seventy seven action figures. Yeah. So if you figure at the very least, uh Toby was three years old in nineteen seventy seven. That would still make him forty five years old and kind of uh, you know well, I mean that's Toby though. Uh, maybe Kate is like 20 years younger than him. I, you know, I see a thing in a lot of movies and, and uh, TV shows, too, where there's like a frame of reference for nostalgia that is 70s, early 80s and stuff. And it's like, uh, I don't sometimes I don't know where it's coming from because the, the, that's that's 40 years ago uh, at this point. So... <laughs> You know, I don't know. I just I don't I don't see people in their thirties being uh, nostalgic about those eras. I don't. Maybe they're such good eras that everybody feels the warm fuzzies. I don't. I don't know. Well, the guy, you know, <laughs> but, to Toby's credit, he didn't say I've had those action figures since 1977. He said those are my original original yeah, 1977 true. action figures. Oh, yeah. well, this is out. There you and, go. you know, obviously the frame of reference for him was incorrect. We've pointed out that flaw, that Star Wars action figures weren't commercially available until spring 1978 at the earliest. And you were lucky to find them if you could, Toby. So, <laughs> so they go to the frat house and they confront the kid who bought them for... You know, pennies. He bought these action figures, and the kid won't sell them back. He's a real tool. And mm. so Kate goes and hits the uh, eBay and purchases replacement 1977 Star Wars action figures for old Toby. And let's hear how Toby responds to that. Wait, you can tell these aren't yours from over there? Yeah, a man knows his Chewbacca. There you go. So, oh, man. Toby wasn't is, buying any of that. Oh, this is like when you try to, you know, in the old sitcoms, when, uh, you know, some, the, the pet dies and they try to, or the goldfish dies, <laughs> right? And they try to get another one to look just like it. You know it's not yours. That's not Princess Fluffy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Well, how do you oh. know, kid? So it's a cat, right? Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, it, so Toby can see it from a mile away. A man knows his Chewbacca. No, a man. mile away. Wow. And but he and to to the credit of the producers of This Is Us, they actually did have Kenner vintage action figures, legitimate action. I, I remember we talked to Topher Grace about all things Star Wars a few years ago, and he lamented the fact 
that they made him stand there in front of the cameras on that 70s show holding up a 1995 Darth Vader action figure. He called them out on it, and they said, shut up, kid, read your lines. (laughs) That's exactly right. That is so true. That's what happened. Uh, Because we we wondered about that. Now, now the real uh, mystery is uh, the Goldbergs. You know, when uh, Adam Goldberg, who's a big Star Wars fan, he knows he knows vintage from postmodern. Yet on that show, they tend to um, I think there was an episode where they were dealing with Adam's collection and uh, they had some of the postmodern figures thrown in there. Mm. You know, you can't do that. You can't. You you can't can't do that. that. We're going to see right through that stuff. And it doesn't matter how sappy you, you're going to make the ending of the Goldbergs. That's when I f- realized <laughs> my parents are real people you know, I heard they you really love me. And- <laughs> I heard you talking about that. I thought that whole little postscript they always do in those episodes was supposed to be a joke. I thought they're making fun of the feel-good endings, you know? <laughs> oh, no. Because they're so ridiculous. Well, apparently, I like Wendy the show. I don't tears mean to... every week by oh, around I couldn't house. believe that. I couldn't believe that. Han Solo is from Star Wars, not Star Trek. And it's Trek, by the way, not Trek. I mean, what a great show this has been. Just incredible. Puppet Lando. <laughs> real, uh, uh, the, the real Puppet Lando. The real Puppet Lando. And he's what? disco dancing in the studio right now. Oh, man, I tell you what. Well, you got to make sure that you check it out on uh, RebelForceRadio.com, and I'm sure on our Facebook page we'll have some uh, exclusive photos and video of what happened in the Rebel Force Radio Chicago studios as Puppet Lando made his official debut Thanks to loyal RFR listener Michael Jasmine. Thank you, Michael, so much for being on the program and uh, the, the the great great gift, um, Bill. I, I think uh, Puppet Lando is go- getting in the trunk right now. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. This is a this is a true keepsake in the making here, and and he's going to be showing up uh, at Celebration Chicago, right? Yeah, God help I, me. I, I, He'll probably be with me the think- whole time. I don't think you have to. I got, I, I got to get him. I got to get him little tiny martini glasses. I got. There's a lot of planning that's going to go into this. Oh, we're going to oh, have man. fun. There's going to be photo ops galore. On I got to get the matching story. outfits. <laughs> I, oh, I, the matching <laughs> outfits. A man and his cape. doll. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, you as a uh, listener, you can uh, obviously enjoy Rebel Force Radio anytime you want. But how about all access via Patreon? Uh, you'll never miss an episode of the bonus content that's available. Plus, uh, with Star Wars Celebration coming up and the possibility of a Rebel Force Radio meetup, the best way to make sure that you get guaranteed access, early access, is by being a Patreon supporter. And that's all available at patreon.com slash Radio. We've got an email address, show at rebelforceradio.com, voicemail line, 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. Check out our Facebook page, the official website, rebelforceradio.com, and iTunes, which is a great place to subscribe and review all your favorite podcasts, including, of course, Rebel Force Radio. I uh, love to have those reviews. Just one rule, please. Make them good. And you can find Rebel Force Radio streaming online, WGNplus.com, YouTube, we're on uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, 
anywhere you can find streaming audio and podcasts. You'll find us, Rebel Force Radio. And check out that YouTube channel. Look for Rebel Force Radio on YouTube. Subscribe and uh, hit those like buttons and make sure that uh, you don't miss as we continue to comb through the archives of uh, a dozen years of Star Wars podcasting, pulling some of the greatest hits out. And we're talking about interviews, as we've mentioned, with Dave Filoni over the years, stuff that you don't hear, you never heard on another podcast. You didn't read in Star Wars Insider, you didn't hear on uh, IGN or wherever, you only heard that kind of stuff from us here at Rebel Force Radio and that other show we used to do. So, (laughs) that's going to be it for tonight. Uh, Billy Mack, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Always stay good warm. Time. You too. Back to the yeah, back to the real world tomorrow. All right. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack, and I'm Billy Mack. And remember, the force will be with you always. A man knows his Chewbacca.